0: Welcome to the
1: Tea Podcast, bringing you the best in news, entertainment, celebrity gossip, social commentary, humor, and LGBTQ lifestyle. This podcast is part of the Urban Wire Media Network, where we shine the light on issues impacting the
2: urban community. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio, and Stitcher.
0: I'm going to Wow.
1: brothers and my sisters, as we head into the Thanksgiving holiday in the Christmas season, let us adhere to and govern ourselves as it relates to the principles of the law of reciprocity. Let me break it down to you in layman's terms with a few examples. Example 1 Shaniqua comes to the family Thanksgiving with six badass kids and her nothing-ass baby daddy who was out on parole smelling like dank weed, mildew, and Hennessy. She brings no pop, no rolls, no plasticware, absolutely nothing. Yet she attempts to leave with a trunk full of plates containing leftovers. According to the law of reciprocity, this should not take place. Sorry, Shaniqua, but put those plates back. Example two Aunt Jackie picks the greens, she picks the KYs, and cleans the KYs. Bakes the sweet potato pies, make the potato salad, and provides the off-brand Kroger Pops. She is entitled and has the first dibs over the leftovers. You latecomers and leeches will just have to wait your turn. In this example, we see how the law of reciprocity is supposed to work. In summary. In life we must give in order to receive. If someone is gracious enough to invite you to partake in the holiday festivities, the least you can do is be appreciative and not run game or take advantage. Happy Holidays, Season's Greetings, or Season's Beatings, you choose. All right, y'all. We are here with another edition of the Urban Wire. Well, not the Urban Wire, of the T-Podcast on the Urban Wire Media Network. We We love the Urban Wire. Yeah, Yeah. of course. And, you know, we always shine a light on issues um, impacting the urban community. So we're going to be here. We haven't been been online for a while. We haven't done a podcast, so we just thought we would just jump on and give you guys a little something. Tonight, um, we're just gonna do an audio version tonight because we got a lot going on around here. We're trying to get set up for the holidays, so the place is in a little disarray. So, we're just gonna do um, an audio podcast. And, um, yeah, as always, we have my wonderful, handsome partner here, Jonathan Crockett. Hey, and also we have the illustrious, the beautiful, the magnificent, the fabulous, yes. Yeah. Ethan, Chris, <laughs> come on, everybody, just give it up. Yes, 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 yes. Thank you so much. Now, today we're going to just give you a little bit of, um, you know, just news and um, a little bit of politics. Um, as you guys know, there's been a lot of elections taking place, and um, with those elections, there's been a lot of historical wins, um, especially with people taking office um, in the LGBT community. Um, some of those people um, are, uh, let me get the names. Uh, Denica Roem she uh, became a uh, someone that won a seat in Virginia, and also um, a Mississippi Democrat by the name of Fabian Nelson. He has also um, won a seat in the Mississippi legislator, legislator, uh, legisl- legislature. Legislature, Yeah. So. I to um, get it. <laughs> yes. So we're going to talk about that. Also, um, there's been some things that's been taking place as far as justice is concerned. Um, a Texas man finally pleads guilty to uh, murder charges um, in a hate crime um, um, situation. So we're going to talk about that. Um, also, we're going to discuss um, a, a very sad situation is, um, in relation to. Uh, an Alabama mayor by the name. They call him Bubba Copeland. We're going to talk about how um, some pictures and some information came up about his his private life, which kind of led to him committing suicide. So we're going to talk about that. Um, Also, we're going to talk about um, another man that was sentenced finally for um a hate crime that was committed in Idaho by the name of Matthew Leahy, I think. So we're going to get into that. Then we got a lot of other stories that we're going to cover in the first half. But um, in the second half, we're going to talk more about how to deal with toxic family members during the holidays. So as we know, we're as we're heading into the holidays, we're dealing with a lot of family members that we're dreading to see at the Thanksgiving dinners and the get togethers and Christmas gatherings and stuff like that. So we're going to talk about how do you cope with that like how i mean just from our point of view like what are some tips or some things that we can do to kind of make those make this time of year easier for those that have to deal with toxic family members and also i want to get into another uh discussion in the second half dealing with safe space what is a safe space and are a lot of our gay clubs there are they really safe spaces or um uh, spaces of toxicity. So we're going to talk about that. We have a lot to discuss, and I'm going to um, hand it over to Jonathan and see um, if he has anything that he would like to talk about, and then I'm going to hand it over to Ethan and see if they have anything. uh, What's been going on with you guys, first and foremost?
3: Just setting up for Christmas
1: in our new house. Yes. And a nice tree. is nice and sparkly and Glittery, glittery, very, very glittery. very glittery. So, we have a lot of fairy dust around here right now. So, <laughs>
4: yeah, Ethan, what's been going on with you? It's been a while, <coughs> excuse me. Yes, just working and living. I'm planning another trip to New York City, Ooh. leaving on the third, and I'm gonna be gone for a week. So, mm. Um that's the holiday festivities I've chosen to partake in this year. So, was that Very for the Christmas? Christmas. Yes, seeing mm-hmm. the seeing New York in the winter and during the holidays is something that I've had on my bucket list for a long time. Are you going to so, be bringing in the New Year there? Or? No, it's just uh, going to be a week at the beginning of December and then I'll come back and I'll be with you guys during oh, the New Year.
1: So, really? yeah. yes, that's wonderful.
4: All right. Well, um
1: before we get into our topics, we have a whole lot of more topics uh, that we're going to discuss as well. So we're going to try to cover as much territory as we can, um, uh, swiftly and professionally. Um, <laughs> I don't know about professionally, but yeah, you guys get the get the hint. But um, Jonathan, did you have anything that you saw on the news? That I That you'd like to bring up?
3: You know that whole don't say gay bill yes. in Florida?
1: hmm
3: Well, that sponsor... Um, his name is Joe Harding, a Republican legislature in Florida.
0: Harding. <laughs> um,
3: well, he's just been sentenced to prison. As of Well, this story came out in uh, October 19th of last month. Uh, this is on Politico. Mm-hmm. Um, a federal judge on Thursday sentenced to prison a former Florida state legislator who catapulted to the national attention for being the sponsor of a bill barring classroom instruction about sexual orientation and gender identity that was called by its critics, the quote, don't say gay bill
0: Mm
3: -hmm. Uh, representative, former representative Joe Harding, who pled guilty in March to one count, each of wire fraud, money laundering and making false statements as part of a scheme to fraudulently obtain a $150,000 federal COVID-19 relief loan was sentenced to four months in prison. Oh, wow. And you know what? You know, I find ironic about this: no <laughs> drag queens were involved. Can you <laughs> believe it?
1: They can't believe it. He he definitely better not stay gay in prison because, baby, them inmates are gonna have a good old funky good time with him. <laughs> so I don't know; they're gonna have to put him in isolation or something like that. But baby, ain't isn't it just wonder wonderful how um, things always. Go come full circle. Mm-hmm. Always know, think, come yeah. back around. Yeah, But these oh. are the people that consider themselves the moral police. Okay? Yes. You know, so it's just funny how, you know, you're now in a situation where you're going to have to be doing jail time. So obviously, who are you to be the moral police mm-hmm. you know, or judge anyone? So I find that to be very, very uh, funny to me. Like Yes. It's very satisfying. I hate to say that. It is. It is very so.
3: satisfying. No, no. Don't hate to say it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So with that, um, we're going to move on to our next story We're going to discuss a very sad and unfortunate story um, Dealing with an Al- Alabama mayor by the name of F.L. Bubba Copeland That's what they call him, his uh, name uh, You know, they, they call him, affectionately call him And um, he was a pastor at First Baptist Church in Phoenix City um, and they said that he was fatally shot and um he fatally shot himself and he was pronounced dead at 501 p.m. on um uh, Friday of last week. So um uh, we really want to delve into that. We're gonna go to a clip kind of like expounding on this story, and then when we come back, we're going to finish up with the rest of our commentary. We can get to that. I think I downloaded the clip for that. Um, yeah, I don't think I did, but um, I think I, I thought I uploaded that clip. But pretty much, I do have that article about that. Um, pretty much, they said that it was some pictures that surfaced of him um, on Instagram, I believe, of him playing this alter ego as this drag queen or as a drag-like character. And a lot of people were kind of like uh, disgusted because they felt like this was supposed to be a man of God. And even though these pictures were private and his wife knew it wasn't like he was living uh, a secret life uh, from his wife, but people found those pictures and they, they put it out there in the media. And I guess it was too much for him to deal with. And I guess he committed suicide. But here's the thing: a lot of people are saying that they they do kind of feel sorry for him because he never was the type to be out here um, speaking against the LGBT community. And a lot of people are saying, like, well, if this is what he's doing in his personal life, he's not bringing it out here to the public. Why should we even be judging him? So I didn't know how did you guys feel about that? Have you guys heard about
4: that story about that man dressing in drag? I did. I didn't hear about it. But yeah, it sounds like. what what you're describing like was he was making fun like he was poking fun at the community no he wasn't
1: poking fun at the community they they just found they just found these pictures of him online and somebody caught you know pretty much exposed him um just trying to bring ridicule to him and stuff like that and he ended up committing suicide and it wasn't like the wife knew that he was doing it wasn't like he was out here Um, We can't even say that he was having extramarital affairs and stuff like that, but people were just trying to embarrass him, you know what I mean? And I was just wondering, how do you guys feel about that? Because this guy was in a state deep in the south in Mississippi where that stuff is frowned upon. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if it was just a thing or he just did it as a joke or did it for fun, but I guess he felt that no one would find, find these these pictures and stuff like that. And no one would ever be able to connect him to this. So Jonathan, I know me and you have talked about this. What are your feelings about this particular situation?
3: It's very sad. Yeah. Sad that someone who is wanting to express himself, um, in the confines of his own home and where his own wife knows, Mm -hmm. um, and she's okay with it then what's the big deal and, and I know that down south um, there's a lot of people that really frown upon that stuff even if it's within the confines of a marriage um, a lot of people still believe in a lot of the traditional values mm-hmm. and um, but the thing is you know he who is without sin cast the first stone. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of people down south that like to cast a lot of stones, even though they should be having stones cast their way, because Mm -hmm. I know a lot of them are doing some shady dealings down there in Alabama. Yeah.
1: But my thing is, too, is like, you know, these people are always talking about, well, keeping things in the bedroom and keeping things between you. So why is it you know, if people are keeping things in their bedroom, why are you digging for this stuff and then exposing people and putting their business out there? You know, y'all always be the main ones talking about that, but then you you guys want to go and dig up stuff about people and then put it out there, and they're not throwing it in your face, but you going to look for this? Stuff. I have a question: How was it discovered? Um, let's get into this article because I think this will explain it in more detail. I got this article. It's entitled. Alabama mayor, mayor dies of apparent suicide days after website publishes pictures of him allegedly in women's clothes. And this was written, uh, written by uh, David K. Lee, and this was written on November 5th. So we're going to just read a little bit of this just to get context of what actually happened. Um, and it reads as such a small town, Alabama mayor, which is actually took place in Alabama. I'm, so I've got to correct that. Um, died apparently by suicide just days after a conservative news site published pictures of him allegedly wearing women's clothes and makeup officials said on Sunday. Smith station mayor F L Bubba Copeland, who was also a pastor at first Baptist church in Phoenix city, fatally shot himself and was pronounced dead at 5 1 PM Lee County coroner. Um uh, Daniel Sexton told NBC News in a statement. An autopsy was scheduled for Monday. Quote, thank you for all the prayers and expressions of sympathy and support. First Baptist Church said in a statement Saturday. First and foremost, we ask that you keep Pastor Bubba Copeland and his family in your prayers today and in the days uh, ahead. Copeland died two two days after the 18th. 19 News published the story with photos of the mayor donning women's clothes and makeup. It's sad and disgusting how he was treated uh, by the 1819 News former U.S. Senator Doug Jones um, of Alabama said in a statement Saturday. We live in a mean, bitter world where the self-righteous tend to throw the largest stones, as you mentioned earlier. Um, A representative for the 1819 News could not immediately be reached for a comment on Sunday. And I guess Doug Jones made this comment on Instagram, not Instagram. This looks like, yeah, this is X. He says, I am so saddened at the death of my friend, Mayor Bubba Copeland. He was a good man and a great mayor who led the small town of Smith Station through the tough times of the devastating tornado a few years ago. I toured the destruction with him and helped him navigate FEMA. So um, that was part of his statement. And the article continues by saying Copeland was best known for leading his town through a tornado that killed 23 people in eastern Alabama in 2019. I am also saddened that the death of my friend, Mayor Bubba Copeland, Jones said, Um, He he was a good man and a great mayor who led a small town of Smith Station through the tough times of a devastating tornado tornado a few years ago. The then president, Donald Trump, visited damaged communities and Jones said Copeland played a vital role in communicating the region's needs to the White House. So um, they said the city of Smith Station is about 80 miles east of Montgomery, Alabama. Um, the capital of uh, that's near the Georgia border. And that has a population of about 5,400 people. And so they were just saying, if you know anybody that um, is dealing with suicide, which we talked about this on the show before, um, call or text 99988 or um, reach out to someone online at 988lifeline.org. So we really need to... Um, really know the signs of this and i want to know i think the person who did this needs to be exposed who who submitted those pictures because through their actions this guy took himself out of here and they need this guy needs to whoever submitted it needs to be exposed Mm -hmm. because you're going to sit here and throw rocks and hide your hands now if you're going to be bold enough to submit the information be bold enough to stand on your convictions and say hey i was the one that submitted this and this this and this is how i feel about this this and that so i don't know it's just a sad and unfortunate situation and like i said um my uh present you know i just just send a prayer to that family because i can't even imagine what they're going through you know what i mean so mm-hmm. you know all that good that he's done has been overshadowed by this and that's what really makes me mad it's like This this is this this is a man that has the right to live his life however he wants to. He's not hurting anybody. He's not um, doing harm to the community. So why is this? I don't know. It's just sad. It's just a sad situation. It almost sounds like Seven was
3: trying to get back at him. Yes. Ooh. Or I I don't know. I, I don't really know what the mo would be to um to release this but we know there's just a lot of bad people out there that, are, that just want to um they just want
1: to do harm to other people Mm-hmm. so yeah sad and unfortunate so we're going to move on to our next story and our next story we're going to talk about is um Hollywood production returns after um, a contract has been reached uh, they all, they finally have settled an um, agreement with the uh, with the Hollywood strike. you know those of you that's been following this, this has been something ongoing for months. A lot of people in Hollywood have been um, upset that they're not being compensated what they've been deserved what they've been deserved of uh, being compensated for. And um, so I guess that's coming to an end. We're going to go to a, a clip really quick explaining this, and then we're going to come back and discuss this, and then we're going to move on to our next story.
5: In other news, in California, there's a mood of celebration in Hollywood today and wherever films and TV shows are made for that point after the longest actor strike in history finally came to a close. The deal that ended the strike still needs to be approved, though, and as Carter Evans shows us, there is still major economic fallout. Hollywood is restarting its engine. We're about to be on TV. With shows like Young Sheldon, I'm not nervous, I'm excited. And NCIS among the first to get back into production later this month. We got a runner. While some actors like Kevin Bacon have been celebrating the end of the strike at home. Others, like the Hunger Games prequel stars, rejoiced on the red carpet.
1: Really, really thrilled that we all get to back, get back to work. No actors.
5: Still, the six-month-long industry pause has left its mark, with behind-the-scenes workers feeling much of the pain.
4: A lot of the damage has kind of been done by the strike. This year is a wash for most of us.
5: The strike is estimated to have cost the entertainment industry some six billion dollars. Hollywood isn't likely to return to its previous form anytime soon, says Variety's Cynthia Littleton.
6: Companies are cutting back. You're not going to have quite so many new TV series or movies coming at you. This was really one
0: for the ages.
5: We spoke with SAG-AFTRA President Fran Drescher about the deal, including major sticking points like AI protections for actors. Why was it so important to address artificial intelligence right now in this contract?
0: Well, it was, prior to this contract, completely unregulated. And the whole concept of who we are as artists and what we do as performers uh, is everything.
5: Nearly six months after Tinseltown went dark, there's a light at the end of the tunnel.
0: Everybody wept. The stress had become unbearable for us all.
5: For CBS Mornings. I'm Carter Evans in Los Angeles.
1: All right, we're back. So some of wow. you that have been missing out on some of these wonderful productions and some of these shows, um, be on the lookout. Um, they are now in the process of production, and everyone's finally um, able to get back to work. But it just brings to me, brings up to me, I just feel like this this kind of brings up a good topic about like, you know the just the power of capitalism. Like these people are making a, a huge uh, to-do about Hollywood, and we have people that can't even make enough money out here. That's working, you know, everyday jobs. Like the wages aren't matching inflation, and these people want us to be up in arms about them. You know, they already have millions and billions in the bank, but they want us. To focus on what's going on in Hollywood when nobody's focusing on what's going on with the every every average day American, and I just mm-hmm. kind of think it's sickening. So, how do you guys feel about this this particular story?
4: Where um Well, I I haven't been following it like too too closely, but I've seen um, where uh, different uh, people news interviewers they go out and they were interviewing someone. like there were a lot of like really well-known actors and actresses that were out there striking and stuff. And they're like, yeah, we, we make, this is our, this is, this is our livelihood. This is our life. This is what our profession is. This is what we're we're doing. And we're sacrificing so much of that to be here to fight for, you know, what we, who we are and what we're about. And like, mm-hmm. you know, uh, that way we can do more and give back to the community at the same time and make entertainment for, everyone. So it's not like, I mean, from what I've seen, it's not so much, you know, to them, it's not so much about money as it is about, you know, sending, sending messages to the right people. And, you know, at each, each platform, whether it be entertainment industry, music industry, whatever you're in, it should be equal and fair. So, uh, yeah. yeah, that's what I got from that. Um, so I listened
3: to another podcast that is, Star Trek based and they did one particular episode where they focused on this strike. And I got quite the education on it because I had no idea. Um, and a large part of it was due to compensation. Um, some of it was due to AI, which um, that is, it's a, it's an emerging technology mm-hmm. and it can be used um, without the consent of the actors. I didn't. I didn't even know this. And I think that if it if it could happen to them, I think it could really happen to anyone. Mm-hmm. I, I, and I don't know in what capacity for like any of us. Mm-hmm. Um, but right now, I'm very distrustful of AI. Oh yeah, um, it's a whole...
1: Show within itself.
3: It is, and I'm glad that the studios and the writers finally were able to come to a good um, agreement.
1: Um, so yeah, yeah. But they, you know, speaking of AI, they they've been talking about how AI is supposed to be taking jobs in every field. Like people yeah. are saying that some people think that they're safe and. Majority of Americans aren't safe. So what are we going to do right. when AI start take start, starts taking over all these industries and people lose their jobs because you already see now how um, it's already starting in a lot of these jobs. It's it's only going to get worse in in before twenty thirty. Like like I forgot the percentage, but they were saying like a huge percentage of jobs are going to be um, they're going to be pretty much obsolete because. AI and how they can do a lot of the the jobs that they're paying people's salaries like all these expensive salaries they can you know use artificial intelligence or use AI to to do the jobs that people are currently doing but you know and cut well,
3: think of this and I hate to use your field as an example but in in the grocery area mm-hmm. you know you have all of those automated checkout lanes. That's AI. Yeah, and so I typically like to go to a lane where it has a live human being because you are giving them an actual job. Um, I mean, I already have issues with the checkout, the self checkout lane themselves. Just it's just irritating to me. But the point is, um, a lot of jobs are going to be removed for a lot of us. Mm -hmm. Uh, in, in the near future. And another one, another area is in healthcare. When I went to a local hospital, I walked off an elevator and I seen this, um, robot on wheels, delivering medications to a floor. Oh, wow. And as I was following it, it somehow it knew I was behind it and it stopped. Mm. I stopped. And then it just kept going. It opened the door by itself, and I'm like, "What in the world?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yep. This is so Black Mirror, <laughs> you know." Uh, I'm not going to give too much information about my place. of but they have like robot, like robots that walk around, like in the form of like animals that walk oh, around. Oh, those robot dogs! Yeah, they do surveillance and stuff like that. I'm telling you like you know a lot of people were laughing at this stuff years ago and they were thinking that this stuff was far-fetched as far as um this technology but I like I always say that a lot of a lot of this these shows and programming like they say are imitating life you have to you know stop struggling stuff off because I think you know I don't want to get too much into conspiracy theory you know theory and all that stuff but I think a lot of these the shows that we watch, a lot of the entertainment, it is linked to the truth. Like a lot of this sci-fi stuff is pretty much a precursor of what society is going to be like in the future. And we've been seeing this years ago. Like people predicted this stuff years ago, and it's been in movies, it's been in like uh, stuff like that. So it's not like we haven't had the warning signs. Like this stuff is was coming down the pipeline mm-hmm. years ago, and Like, what are we going to do now? Like, you know, what, you know, I don't want to get into too much of this. But, yeah, people better start really kind of like getting real and kind of realize the times that we're in. You
4: know what I mean? Yes. You know, well, I have have a small argument against (laughs) Um, automation will never be perfect. You know, uh, AI will never be perfect. Uh, Technology itself, even though it's ever changing, it's come a long way in the past know 20 30 years but it will never be perfect there's always going to have to be a human being to fix something there's always going to have to be a human being to update something Mm -hmm. and in some ways um like just responding from what you said like you know self-checkout wise at the grocery store where i work um ever since we implemented our self-checkouts nobody's lost their job you know in fact we're in fact we're hiring cashiers oh wow um but we have had a, pl- a plethora of different issues with the self-checkouts. They get jammed. They, they slow down. They need to be restarted. They need to be refilled with cash constantly to keep up with, you know, people who pay with cash. Um, they need to be updated. Like, it in in a sense, it creates jobs. Because, you know, when you implement a new piece of technology, there's going to have to be Somebody to, like I said, guide it. Yeah, man it, it got to man it. it, update it, man it. Yeah. Yes, exactly.
1: But you're gonna have to, That means people are gonna have to to learn how to go into those fields. Yes, of robotics and learn learning how to operate those machines or fix those machines. And that's that's a big field that uh, coming up. And I kind of wish I would have went into that area because at my former job they had an opportunity for me to go into that. And there's a lot of money in maintaining it and you know being able to fix those robots and stuff Mm -hmm. like that so it's just gonna people have to just learn a new skill trade Mm -hmm. and just keep on top of what's going on that's that's the biggest thing because right now they're working out the kinks to a lot of these things but um in the future you're gonna have to either get with the program or you know you're gonna be left behind and that's that's Mm -hmm. that's a sad thing to say but um Technology is a thing of the future, and we have to get with the times. We have to, Mm -hmm. you know, we have to talk to our kids and get them prepared, and you know, and kind of like having them opening up, opening them up to different avenues on uh, different trades. Because I'm be honest with you, I'm not trying to jump into another topic, but like the college, just the college trap today, they're not preparing you. They're not trying to prepare you for what's going on. You know, I, I just think a lot of people, if I could do it again, I would have did a trade that would have been more beneficial. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's just our responsibility for those that have um kids to kind of you know open them up to different avenues because a lot of these this stuff, the people going into debt for you know, these degrees and stuff like that, they're not these some of these fields are not gonna even be relevant and they're not making you any money, you know what I mean? So I, so I
4: don't know. We really could spend a yeah. large amount of time on this. Yeah, I just I just want to say one more thing, but just from like a customer service aspect, just um you know being somebody who is in it, yeah, you're in, Yes. You're right. Like the fact that we have like self automated, you know, you know people can check themselves out. We, you know, it's it's to me it's it's a minor inconvenience. Like if you have somebody that comes through with like a sandwich and a can of pop. And they come through the cell checkout, they're out in five seconds. Right. That's not an issue. If we have, and we still have registers, we still have cashiers. If we have people who have a mountain of stuff that they're getting for the holidays, go through the register, that's fine. Right. But we have people that are so against them and they're so convinced that they're stealing jobs and all this stuff, you know, you have, and I've, I've been witness to this before, you have like a person standing behind this person with a mountain of groceries with two things because they want to make a statement. They want to stand there and wait and make a statement about it rather than doing it themselves because That's of good the convenience. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also, to be honest, like nobody wants to customer service anymore because they get hit with so much anger and frustration from customers. You are right about that. They'd rather not want to deal with that. And they would, you know, rather be in a different line of work. And I I mean, I can say that, you know, this, is, this isn't something I ever thought I would be, in for this long but the things that i've seen especially like during the pandemic people are mean they are so mean and they they don't don't care Mm -hmm. and this and that to me is what's really driving stores and in things to and different things to automation customer does it themselves because of that also
3: and i can i can see your point
4: on that um i mean i've during the pandemic like I would go in the break, my break room and cry because it was just so hectic. People were so mean. People would throw things at me. I've been spit on. People spit oh on me. Oh my gosh! Like wow, um, yeah. People are nasty, nasty because you know you do them wrong in any smaller, large sense. It like brings the house down. Yeah, it does.
1: Mm. Wow. So we're gonna definitely keep that. following that. Yeah, that's it's just. I mean, people today are just. We live in a heartless society. Everybody's about themselves. Self-righteous. Self-righteous. You know, um, people lack empathy. They lack, first of all, they lack Mm self-respect. And then they were, so if you know they don't have self-respect, they don't have respect for other people. So Mm -hmm. that's why I just tell people, you know, you just got to know the time time we're living in. So, yeah. So. So I guess on that note, we'll move on to our next story. Okay um club q i mean you remember the the um the mass shooting that took place there um in colorado um well they're planning on reopening soon and they're gonna but they're gonna be reopening in a new location so they're not going to let this this unfortunate situation that took place um hold them back from reopening so we're going to go to a clip kind of outlining their plans and then we're going to come back um, with the rest of our commentary and then we're going to move on to a couple more stories and then we're going to take a break and then we're going to come back with our main topic and then we're going to wrap this show up. The owners of club Q
7: say they're going to reopen in this space in the satellite hotel for a lounge known as the Q. They hope it will give a home to a community that's desperately needed
4: one. We can move on, uh, Club Q reopening is a big
8: step in that direction.
7: Edward Sanders survived a gunshot to the leg and back the night of the Club Q shooting. He says since then, he and other members of the LGBTQ plus community haven't found a place nearly as special as Club Q. Uh,
8: for the last
4: year almost, we've been going back and forth to different bars and really not finding that safe space to be
9: gay. He's thrilled to learn about the news of a new space called the Q. We hope our, this space can be a small to large part of the healing in this community.
7: The owners of Club Q announced they will be reopening in the satellite hotel on academy south of airport road instead of the original Club Q.
9: We have heard other survivors say they would feel uncomfortable to come back into a space that went through something like this so soon. I don't think anyone is wrong or right for how they feel, you know, we've heard everybody and we've decided the best way forward now is to open a new venue at a new location with a new name. They're
7: months into construction for the restaurant, bar and lounge, already installing an HVAC system with plans to start painting this week.
9: The queue will serve in the same vein as Club Q. It will provide drag entertainment, uh, various entertainment options such as karaoke, bingo, trivia. Um, it'll be an event space for people who choose to use it. Um, you know, it'll be a lot of things, just as Club Q was a lot of things.
7: Edward says he wants to be the first in line once the queue opens, not only for his community, but to send the world a message.
4: It's important for Club Q to reopen and uh, show the world that we are resilient and that we're not going to be shut down.
7: The team behind the queue says they hope to open by the end of this year. In Colorado Springs, I'm Devin Carp, News 5.
2: Thanks for watching. Stay updated about breaking news and top stories on the NBC News app or follow us on
1: social media. All right, we are back. So what do you guys feel about that? Do you think that that's a good thing for them to try to open that, that venue back up? And, and do you think that with them opening that, that venue back up, do you think that there should be... Uh, safety protocols, like so we don't repeat the same thing that took place. And do you think that a lot of gay clubs are? Because the guy mentioned something about safe spaces. Do you really feel that gay clubs today are truly safe spaces like they were once upon a time? No, I do not. Mm-hmm. Um,
3: but I think it's it's different in depending on which location that you're at, which venue that you're at. Um, but I don't know. The, the United States harbors a lot of mentally um, mentally disturbed individuals. And, you know, it could be the same from California over to Connecticut. Yeah. So, you know, it, one one death by a, a lone shooter, you know, that really affects every single one of us
4: in this country. Mm-hmm. I feel like more and more um, clubs and social spaces now are are using this more of a, like a guideline. So we have like um, the piano bar. But didn't didn't they have like a thing where you had to they had to like look through your bag and stuff before you went in? Or there was one club where we went to that was like that.
1: There's a lot of. I don't think that one did, but I do know that there's a couple of places in Indianapolis, a couple of bars um a gay um venues in Indianapolis that are now starting to institute that or yeah. like, no weapons allowed yeah so, and yeah. they're they're um winding people down people think oh that's just a little extreme i said i don't think no, it is it's really. not in fact i think it's needed yeah i think that there's a couple of gay bars that in indianapolis that and i'm not gonna say any names but they claim to be safe spaces but you're not you know you have some of the most toxic Gay individuals in the community that go there You know It's a it's a trash dump Of degenerate people That are in our community And they, you know, with all that Toxicity, you don't have any measure To, to ensure that people are safe Because you're having all this negativity up in their bar But I'm not going to get into that But I'm just saying that there are a few Places in our community that do take Security serious And um, I believe That it's necessary um, I, I feel like even into 2023, going into 2024, you still have people out there that have a strong hatred towards those in the LGBT community. Yes, and I feel like you know, with you know, times changing, you know, I don't feel like we're still safe. You know what I mean? You you still have these people that want to make a name for themselves. They want to go out here and commit these these acts of um, horrific violence towards members in our community, and I, I don't feel that the government is taking this serious. Like I think a lot of these people are committing these hate crimes, and then what they want to do is when they commit these hate crimes, they want to paint these people. All these people were troubled; they had this going on in their childhood and this and the other. You know, everybody tries to paint these individuals as human beings when they're nothing but monsters. So, you know, I really feel that. They're not taking um, these hate crimes serious. They're not, you know, and I, I, I feel like, you know, um, if the queue is going to open back up, this is something that they really need to be serious about, you know, because a lot of people feel like, well, we live in this city and we live in there. We don't have to worry about this stuff. And those are the main people that become targets of um, hate crimes like this or situations like this because they feel that. This is beneath them. We don't have to. They're above all this stuff. So I, I really feel like safety needs to be a, a number one priority in these establishments. It has to be. Yeah. You know. So.
4: Agreed. Yeah.
1: So wow. I just so I just wanted to bring that up. Did you have anything?
4: Well, I was time? just going to say I do. I do agree with what um, the the person that they interviewed like opening up. Another space in another location, it does show resilience. And I think that's exactly. really important. Yeah. Yeah.
3: And I think that has to be seen
4: yes. that
3: we can't be stopped. You can try, and this, you know, the spirit of pride still resonates through all of us. Mm-hmm. And it's just, you can't stop it.
1: Right, right. So I was going to bring that story up. Um, we're going to move on. I'm going to combine these next two stories into one. Um, there's been a couple of victories in the upcoming in the you know in recent elections uh, for members that are in the LGBT community as far as representation. Um, we have someone by the name of um, uh, Fabian Nelson. He um, was a Mississippi Democrat that um, that just won a seat as well as. Danica Roean, who um, became the first transgender woman uh, in Virginia to take a seat. So we're going to go to these two clips and then we're going to come back and um, we're going to discuss this. And we're going to talk about is representation a good thing or can it be a double edged sword sometimes in politics? So we're going to go to these two clips and then we're going to be right back.
6: Welcome back. In states across the country, LGBTQ plus people continue to see their rights stripped away by Republicans. In just the past week alone, the Texas state Supreme Court allowed a law that bans gender affirming care for transgender children to take effect. And then in Nebraska, the GOP governor signed an executive order that strictly defines a person's sex, which is directed at limiting transgender people's access to certain public spaces. But there are some bright spots, and one of them is Fabian Nelson, who just won his Democratic primary election this week for the Mississippi State House, setting him up to become the state's first openly gay legislator. And he joins me now, Fabian Nelson. Fabian, thanks for joining us on this. Um, Appreciate it. Congratulations, first of all. Um, Secondly, what do you hope to get accomplished and how? considering who you're gonna be sitting across from, folks that have worked to restrict the rights of LGBTQ plus folks, and especially folks in the trans community.
2: Most definitely, and thank you so much for having me on your show today. I would like to start by saying that the people in Live Oak Florida have the prayers and support of everyone here in Mississippi and to answer your question it's all about showing up for every single person so you know going into the legislature i have to show up for my people in my district district 66 and people from all marginalized communities because when you have someone at the table and you have to look that person in the eye you have to stop doing these harmful and hurtful things to people
6: you're is just one of many Um, Republican states in general that are attempting to curtail the rights of LGBTQ plus um, members. How exactly do you think Democrats need to fight back?
2: Well, we have to fight back by being present. We have to fight back by having the uncomfortable conversations that are very much needed. In order to grow, you have to become uncomfortable. And so having a voice there to constantly say, hey, this is what we need to do, and trying to kind of make people understand why this is so important. We have to fight for every single person to have equal rights, women, African-Americans, Latino. There's so many marginalized communities that are affected. And if we allow one group of people to have their rights stripped away, what's going to happen next is another group of people will start to lose their rights. So I am look forward to being a sound voice for every single person in my district and in my state.
6: I want to read a quote for folks about your victory that you said recently. I still think I'm in a dream. I'm still trying to process it and take it in. It's still shocking to me. I have to be honest. Talk to me a little bit more about this feeling that you're having um, right now in the uphill battle you have ahead.
2: Most definitely. And I still feel like I'm in a dream because this has been a childhood dream to one day sit in the Mississippi House of Representatives ever since I toured that magnificent place back probably 20 plus years ago. So that's why I feel like I'm in a dream, but I am ready for the challenge. And you know, I want to talk a little bit about my campaign and the way I won election was going out into the community, meeting everybody in the community and letting them know that I'm fighting for all of their rights. I'm fighting for um, you know, um, c- you know, c- getting crime under control, our border system failures that we're having here. And so it is, you know, it's been an uphill battle, and I know I have a lot of work, but I'm excited to start serving the people of District 66.
6: State Representative elect Fabian Nelson of Mississippi, thank you, sir, and good luck.
2: Thank you.
7: News Nation's decision desk has called the Senate race for Virginia's 30th district, Democrat Danica Rome, the projected winner there. She becomes Virginia's first openly transgender state senator. D.C. News Now anchor Mark Hall is live at Rome's watch party in Manassas right now. And Mark, Rome defeated Republican and Governor Yunkin back candidate Bill Wolfe.
8: Well, certainly a big night for Democrats here in Manassas. Earlier, State Senator Gary McPike talked about the importance of Democrats holding the Senate wall moving forward. Obviously, Governor Yunkin mentioned earlier today it was important for Republicans to gain control of the General Assembly. That's not going to happen. Another big win tonight is uh, with uh, State Senator-elect. Danica Roman, she joins us now live here. It's very loud, but we need to talk to the Senator-elect. And Senator, first of all, congratulations. Talk about what this victory means for you. And more importantly, how does it represent your constituents?
10: Sure, what this victory means for me is that I'm gonna continue working to provide universal free school breakfast for all kids. It means I'm gonna continue doing the work to fix Route 28 I'm going to continue doing the work to fix Rollins Ford Road, I'm going to continue protecting our land in western Prince William County, and I'm going to continue working to make Virginia a more inclusive commonwealth, and what that means for my constituents is that they have someone who will show up, who works across the aisle, and I'm willing to compromise, I'm willing to be bipartisan, and I'm willing to fight like hell for our values because when I see the most vulnerable people I represent, like trans kids being singled out and stigmatized, especially by this governor, I stand up to him. And at the same time, if he wants to help us fix roads and feed kids, let's have a seat, let's have a talk, let's talk.
8: Senator-elect, can you work across the aisle? That's what most people at home, as you know, want, is can our lawmakers work across the aisle together to get things done? All 41
10: of my bills signed into law passed with bipartisan support. Not only can I work across the aisle, I've been doing it for the last six years, and as a member of the minority party, I led the House Democratic Caucus by tying Delegate David Bolivar with the most number of bills passed this year because I am effective, and I know how to work across the aisle.
8: Last question. State Senator-Elect Danica Rome. How does that sound?
10: I think about the fact that my Italian ancestors came here absolutely impoverished and I'm really thinking a lot tonight about my grandpa who I lived with for about 17 years he had to drop out of high school after his mother died so he could take care of his younger brothers and work with his dad he never got to graduate and he worked union jobs he worked in the world he was he was also a tank ordinance in World War II and he raised four kids my mom you know who went to community college so she paid her way through and she just retired and my mom and I have very different political views but my mom also gets to know that she raised the senator-elect of the hometown that she chose for her kid
8: state senator-elect Danica Rome thank you so very much thank you very much Appreciate it. thank you and again
1: all right we are back so how do you guys feel about that that news The um, do you think that that's a automatic victory or is it one of those things you have to wait to see what they're going to actually do? Are they going to, um, they're going to keep their end of the bargain and, um, do what they said that they were going to do to get elected into office, you know?
4: So how, yeah. How do you guys feel about that? I think it's a step in the right direction for sure. But yeah, time will prove, um, facts. So we'll see what happens.
3: Um, I feel like with any politician and it doesn't matter if you're straight or a member of the LGBT community, you have to um, do what you say you're going to do. Right. And if not, then you know we're going to hold your feet to the fire. You we know, get you call out. your off. Well, yep. first either call your office, write letters, write emails, mm-hmm. do whatever we have to do. Um, and if that doesn't work, then, um, there's another way that would be the next election.
1: Yeah. And I, I just feel like to, in these days and times, okay, it's it's good to be the first this and the first that, but representation is not going to save us. Representation is not going to do anything because you have a lot of people that get into to office or get into these positions claiming that they're the first this and that. And then they get into office, they sell their constituents out. They sell their people out. So I don't care about you being the first LGBT or, or the first trans this and the first trans that. If you're not doing anything for your community, you just taking up space. Mm-hmm. Yes. Because we see that so many times. Like I don't even get excited about the whole, and I know a lot of people don't get upset with this. I don't that, I didn't even get excited about Barack. Like he, he did some stuff for the LGBT community and stuff like that, but as far as your own. Like the black community, you didn't do anything for us. You didn't. You didn't do a damn thing for us. And I feel like because you have a black face in there, I'm just using that as an example. That does not mean that that's, that's, they're going to do anything for you. And even with a lot of these Democrats, like, and um, I will, I will tie that into what's going on in Indianapolis. Like, I don't understand how, and this is my personal opinion. I don't understand how our mayor is back in office again. Like I don't understand how he's back in office because, like Indianapolis is, the the crime is out of control, the the streets are horrible. It's just so much stuff going on in Indianapolis, mm-hmm. and like these people are just so blinded by the fact that okay, you're voting Democrat, you keep voting people in that's not doing anything for your community, and you're so, you know. Bullheaded, and you you know, you you don't want to explore other options. You think that because it's the democrat, that it's automatically someone that's gonna have your best interest in, in heart. And I just feel like I was just looking at the other candidate, and like his he, even though he was um uh, a, a Republican, he to me he almost came across as a moderate Democrat. So I just feel like a wow. lot of times we're so scared to explore the other side because we think that. All Republicans or all Democrats think a certain way. And that's not necessarily mm. the truth. So I tell people you have to research these people. Don't think because it's, it's a good step in the right direction. Like you said, Ethan, that we do have someone that is the first uh, of, you know, you know, I mean, like the first of the first when it comes to LGBT people. But I just feel like we have to be realistic and be like, well, what are these people's platform? What do they plan on doing? And are they going to follow through? Because if not, we we need to get them out of there and get somebody in there that's gonna do it. I don't mm-hmm. I'm to the point, I don't care about the, all that. Like, I want to know what your policy and your it's be style is. of
3: substance. yeah. And that's that's what it all boils down to,
1: and that's what I urge people going into 2024 with the presidential elections. You know, you know, we have to kind of be realistic about what's going on, you know. Um, and just start researching these people, stop voting because. Well, my, my parents voted this way or my family voted this way. You have to vote in your, you got to vote in a way that it impacts your life. You have you can't, well, I got to vote this way because, you know, I came from a line of people in my family that we had these political views. No, you have to vote for your own best interests. You know what I mean? So that's just how really. I feel about it. So.
3: Um, I do want to provide some context here, um, and this is from the Advocate. It reads: LGBTQ plus representation is nearly nationwide. The only states with no out candidates running this election cycle are Arizona, Hawaii, Montana, Nevada, North Dakota, New Mexico, South Carolina, South Dakota, and Wyoming. Out of the 514 out candidates, and that's a that's a pretty high number, and that's just in an off-year election, 2023. 348 ran for local positions, excluding mayors and school boards. Uh, 59 ran for school board, 40 ran for the state legislature, 37 for mayor, um, five for judicial positions, um, four for uh, federal special elections, and uh, one for statewide. Between 21 and 23, the number of LGBTQ plus state legislative candidates more than doubled coming at a time when legislative attacks on LGBTQ plus people in state legislatures have grown dramatically. Mm-hmm. And for me personally, I always think that it's not exactly the federal government that is going to make the biggest changes to our lives. It's the state legislature. Mm-hmm. I've always believed that because um, that's where the biggest changes to
4: our lives personally will take place. Right. Um, I mean, and, and it also, I mean, yes, it's, it's good that they're like out and part of the community, but there are gay Republicans. Like, oh, there are. It doesn't, so in some ways it doesn't matter, you know, if, if they are or not as long as they fight for, What's right, yeah, for us. So yeah, because I mean, there could be
1: people that, um, like as far as social issues, they may be more liberal leaning, but then you may have someone that's more fiscally they're more.
3: Yeah, they still want tax cuts. Mm Taxes. So
1: it just you got to kind of just you know pick and choose. I mean, you like I said, you have to go with what your situation is best for. Yeah. There's no reason to vote against your own self-interest. You know what I mean? So, I mean, if you're in a higher tax bracket, of course you're going to be more, you know, leaning more towards like someone that's more Republican as far as those issues are concerned. Yeah. So you just got to kind of, it's, it's, it's not a one-size, I guess what I'm saying is like politics is not a one-size-fits-all thing. You know what I mean? And I just think it's unfair for people to try to make people feel guilty of having to vote this way while neglected you know you just have to do what's best for you at the Mm -hmm. end of the day it's your vote so you can't complain when things don't go your way and you're not going out there making your voice heard through the ballot box that's i guess that's my biggest thing so and if you just get out
3: there and vote um at least you can say you've actually exercised your right as an american citizen um And you have the right to, dare I say it, to bitch,
1: you know? (laughs) Mm. Mm -mm. Yep. Because if you don't vote, you can't bitch. That's true. And I think on that note, we're going to take a quick break. And then we're going to come back. We have a few more stories in the second half. And then we're going to talk about our main topic. And we're going to call it the night. So we're a little over the hour. Uh, mark and so we're going to come back with episode 14 here in a couple minutes so stay with us and we will be back shortly welcome to the t podcast bringing okay news entertainment
0: celebrity